Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It is the Tuesday edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu and uh, very excited to uh, welcome to the show uh, my guest co-host for the day. Um, She is uh, just in the last few moments, as we started this show, busted out the very gaudy uh, oh, Run DMC-like yeah, gold chain oh, with the San Francisco 49ers logo oh, on it. it. Apparently, I have to wear it on the air. That was part of our bet, right? So it's uh, that'll, pretty, though. that'll you know, come up on the Spectrum pretty. Sports uh, telecast. And she's going to be insufferable uh, all show long. But you know what? I'm happy to have her here anyway. She's my buddy and partner for Rainbow Wahine basketball coverage on Spectrum Sports. Lori Santi is in the house. And you're blinging, Lori. Oh, uh, you really really waited till the very last moment to yeah. bust this thing out. I did, you know, because I'm exhausted. You know, the faithful had to come up. <laughs> we had to come up big, brother. We, it was hard. You know, and I'm I'm almost too old for that kind of thing. So that that took a lot out of me. That's why that's why I didn't wear my jersey. My jersey was dirty. Uh, mm-hmm. So I thought I was just mm-hmm. rolling with the chain. Yeah, today. you got the chain. You're you're, you're rocking the chain. Uh, it no, is a gaudy, obnoxious piece of jewelry, but it's 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 pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so anybody that's listened to the show for like four seconds knows that I'm a huge Detroit Lions fan. Uh, I've been gutted and heartbroken uh, to a degree that even as a Lions fan, with years and years of training to understand how to deal with disappointment and angst, uh, even this one cuts uh, yet another uh, new area and, and will leave uh, an even deeper scar potentially here. 808-296-1420, the number to call. And then intro Lori Santi, who is a card-carrying San Francisco 49ers fan. Uh, she is one who is never uh, quiet about about it, uh, never shy or or even coy about her fandom. It is very blatant. It is very overt. It is very brazen in your face, uh, as we can tell. Uh, if this is radio, but I'm painting the picture. She's wearing the largest uh, gold oh, chain piece of jewelry yeah. with a huge San Francisco 49er. Like it's like a flavor flave type of uh, piece of jewelry. Yeah, here. it is. Yeah. It is. It's it's everything. And it must be said, you were in the house Ooh. at Levi Stadium. Yeah. So, uh, so just kind of paint the scene here. First half, the Lions are. I mean, Frank running the show, right? They're wrecking shop. They're up 17 and halftime. Take us through what that experience on game day was like, the ebbs and flows, and, and certainly uh, how you guys were feeling at halftime. Awful. You know, awful. I mean, they were gashing us. It's not like, you know, they hit a couple big plays, hit a, hit a 45, you know, yard pass play or something. They're just hammering us. I mean, seven-yard chunk plays, you know, run plays. So it's not the kind of thing where you're thinking, oh, it's okay. They, You know, they had a pick six or they're up because, no. They were up because they absolutely manhandled the Niner defense, which I think for everybody, and it is not the defense that it was four years ago, right, when they went to the last Super Bowl. That's known. Their D-line is not that. But, man, it was – we met up inside the concourse with about 10 of us had gone to the game. It was depressing. We had to go get a beverage. Did you think it we, was over? <laughs> Did you think at halftime it was Pau? Um, well, not as much as the Lions seemed to think they'd won it. That it was over. Okay. <laughs> that, that was definitely the feeling that you got. From some a, of the fans that were there? From the fans in really? blue. Really? Some fans which, in which, blue. Which boggles my yeah, mind because so as Lions fault. fan, it's, you can never no. feel that confident. Like, even no. I was watching it with uh, another Lions fan, and uh, we were talking like, hey, look, this is really great. 
but these are the Lions. Like, what are we talking about here? These are the Lions. There's no way we can get too overly confident and don't count the chickens, so to speak, before they hatch. And, and obviously, um, that was not the right call because uh, because everything just uh, fell apart. And, I, and I think the worry was not so much that we wouldn't come out better offensively in the second half. I kind of felt like that. Like, how do you not with that offense? I was more worried about... We didn't get a stop, man. You know, how how are you now? You know, you're going to match points there. It's going to be. So that was kind of the worry was the defense was uninspired. I mean, if you were there, there was not a lot of energy on the yeah. defense. If, if Warner hadn't made, you know, eight tackles in the first mm-hmm. half. And if I think the big difference to Kanoa was going down 17 versus the 20, you know, had they scored a touchdown to end that first half, which I really thought they were going to yeah. do. And that I felt like would have been more of sort of a, a yeah, type yeah. Play, right? and th- that's what is, I think, even further head scratching from this whole Dan Campbell discussion standpoint is he made the gut and vibe decision to kick the field goal at the end of the first half in that situation, uh, as opposed to what he's right. been doing all season, which is like, hey, let's try to see if we can absolutely like bury these guys with a touchdown here and go up three TDs. Uh, instead, he kicks the field goal there, which then is even more mind boggling when you get to the third quarter after the Niners uh, get the ball to receive uh, to start the second half uh, they get a field goal out of it which I think is a little bit of a moral victory for the Detroit defense right and you're thinking hey look you know they came out uh, they seem to be a little more purposeful offensively but we held them to a field goal and then uh, Detroit drives inside the San Francisco 30 and at that point it's like well you kick the field goal you go back up three possessions and yet inexplicably in that situation he's like no let's let's try to bury him here it's like but you, you kick the field goal at the end of the first half and I think from a mentality standpoint from a, um, a momentum standpoint Standpoint, that's sort of where the mood really oh, started to shift. And when they only, when the Niners came out and only got the field goal, that was a little worrisome too. Because you're juiced, they're going down the field, and you're thinking, yeah. oh, I don't know, man, we need more than a field goal, right? The interesting part for Dan Campbell, though, is why between the 20 and the 38 yard line, are you going on fourth down? Those are field goals. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no guarantee you're going to score a touchdown. If you're outside the 40, you sort of, that's a little bit sort of understandable because yeah. you're likely not to make that field goal. Or mm-hmm. it's, but you're like, you're you're literally giving away points with no guarantee that you're going to score a touchdown. That was, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised people are letting him off the hook a little I bit. I don't know on if that, people you know? are. I mean, I, I, today I've, more than yesterday. Really, but, I'm, and I'm, I, I'm hearing I like, a lot of criticism. I like Campbell, but ha, 27, 24, and you mentioned it with Rich yesterday, you know, there are a lot of intangibles. You know, we sound old, you know, <laughs> when we talk about analytics. I think certainly in another 10 years, it will be way more. We'll probably see way less kicking. There'll be way more about that. I mean, that's just the way the game is changing. But the difference between, you know, Brendan Staley and the Chargers and Gan Campbell the other day was not really that much, right? I mean, you it, that was... That was huge. I mean, mm-hmm. huge that he doesn't tie the game at 27, 25. I just, we were absolutely shocked. Yeah, I have yeah. to say that the faithful were pretty shocked that when he didn't do that. That was, because the momentum was just not there for them at that point. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, momentum is huge. I mean, it's a playoff game. It's an NFC championship game. How often are you going to be in that position up 17 in an NFC championship game? You have to play it a little bit differently from the gung-ho style. I think you have to think it a little bit more. And I, I get analytics being a part of the discussion for sure uh, but you also I think have to value and I talked about it at length with Rich yesterday just value possessions in a way uh, that might be a little bit more emphasized than just your you know standard uh, big regular season matchup or something like that 808-296-1420 the number to call text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line we have a texter this is Chris who's uh, texting in saying I feel your pain born and raised a Detroit Lions fan thank you brother uh, some of the sympathy that I've received has been helpful and 
and fairly therapeutic. Um, do you, Lori, because you were in the house, right? And, and uh, I think certainly uh, Detroit not getting that fourth down, that was a mood swing. Uh, that was definitely a vibe swing. Um, but the the stadium really erupted. I think that the, the moment that it um, that it, it went to another level from a, from a decibel, from just an overall energy and enthusiasm standpoint, uh, the freaky play where the ball bounces off of the Detroit Lions defensive back's face mask, Brandon Ayuk makes this unreal uh, stretch fetch on that catch. And that's when just even watching on TV was like, oh, that place is going Bonkers. It went bonkers. Went bonkers. And the funny part was he talked to Ayuk after the game, right? And he talked about how the ladybug landed on his uniform. <laughs> so he knew it was going to be a good luck day. And that was like, that just cracked me up. But yeah, and you know, the other thing we talked about a little bit was they picked up that flag there, right? You know, I, I <laughs> that kind of, you know, froze the faithful up for a minute because I thought they're, you know. Oh, like an sure. offensive Yeah, PI? I was like, wait, because there was a little bit of contact, sure, but sure. I couldn't tell from my end. Yeah, right? it and I was like, oh, God. Yeah. It would have been interesting. I thought he ran over him a little bit trying to get to the ball. That's sort of from where I was. Like, Uh did he... But then, you know, so anyway, that was kind of an interesting... It would have been interesting if somehow that was an interception as opposed to that yeah. crazy play, like, if they would have picked up that flag. You know, you just, you never know what that uh, discussion you or know, discourse the is necessarily too is like. how much B.A. is Purdy's guy. Everyone talks about Debo and what Debo brings, and I, and I agree with that. There's a lot of things Debo brings. Like, Debo brings some... Um, Juice before the game. Well, he like opens in the things up for yeah, IU. He also chatters, you know, like you go out, you love this too, you know, you go out, I like to go in the stadium early, see the warm up. And the warm up's a thing because you saw that Mahomes clip, right? Where he's here knocking the kickers, Justin Tucker's <laughs> yeah, stand. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of kind of stuff that, a little bit of stuff that goes on in that pregame. And Debo's always in the middle of it, you know? He's always, he's kind of the guy that way. He's the guy you're keeping your eye on. He's phenomenal. But Purdy looks for IU. You know, we've seen that over. They've got that kind of connection that I think has really um, benefited him sort of down down this stretch where he hasn't had Debo on occasion. Uh, texter saying, actually, there has been a lot of criticism of Dan Campbell over the Internet, definitely not uh, being let off the hook. Maybe in some corners, yeah, I think still the vast majority of stuff that I've seen uh, is kind of this mixed bag, right? As Lions fans, you're trying to get into the nuance. Well, it's a no-brainer, but, you know, sure. there are people that are saying, hey, no, that's how we well, got here, I, I, that's how I, we... Well, and I think how he handled it in the post-game press conference was probably as good uh, a, a way to handle it as possible. I mean, I still don't personally think that he made the right choice in any stretch under any circumstance, um, you know, in, in, in that kind of scenario. Uh, but I think he did own it and he said, hey, look, you know, I'm going to get it. I, you know, I'm going to get some of the daggers and, and some of that, some of the arrows and that comes with the gig. And and so I think his absorption and his reception uh, of of all of that criticism probably helps ease it yeah. a little bit. But I think it's this weird nuanced place that Detroit Lions fans, myself included, are trying to go where it's like, hey, look, you got to kind of give him credit. This is a guy that has changed the culture in that organization along with the GM. They've made some really interesting and intriguing moves, and they've put themselves now in a position where they're actually a bit of a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, you, you, could, you could kind of push so far as to say, you know, is Detroit in that position at all if not for Dan Campbell? Uh, and then still apply the the other nuanced uh, argument of, but he also may have cost them a chance to go to the Super Bowl yeah. with some of his coaching yeah, he decisions. He also probably may have cost them a chance to go. I mean, the, the Cowboys game where he goes, you know, 18 times for yeah. the two-point conversion. Yeah. I feel like as a coach, do you do you not learn from that a little bit in that moment point. where he got so fired up? Maybe a little different in the sense that you feel like he just got 
so aggressive because he was mad about it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a little different in terms of the emotions, but that was pretty big. I think yeah. that's that cools your gun off a little bit, right? When you're going into those situations, going, okay, you would think let's so, not right? do this again and cost our team a potential home playoff yeah, game, right? Yeah, because I think there, there's, a, there's a fine line uh, between being gutsy and being stubborn. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's the line that is often blurred with Dan Campbell. But again, it's that mentality that has probably extracted some of this confidence from his players, right? He's empowering in that way. He shows them a lot of faith and belief. And I think that that, you know, has lifted the Lions uh, to a degree spiritually, right? But um, but in that situation, again, it's like there's so much at stake. you got to just be smarter. It is hard to get it out of your head you know you, th- you think about those situations you think about you know Pete still talk about Pete Carroll and Marshawn Lynch and throwing they throwing the ball at the goal line and you know Seahawks you know losing a chance to win the Super Bowl those kind of calls will be with the Lions fans for a really really long time yeah. and it's hard to shake that yeah so it's it's similar to like you know you saw the dip that the Atlanta Falcons took right when they had Tom Brady and the Patriots on their heels and it looked like what was it 28-3 it looked like they were off to a Super Bowl championship it was like not this time Tom uh, and then they turn it around and the Falcons lose and they were never the same right and they're still like, like they're just hiring a new coach and they're trying to figure stuff out um, and so that's the fear from a Detroit Lions standpoint is like, you know, you suffer that kind of defeat. And the Lions have had to scratch and claw their way out of the doldrums. They had an over season in this century. Right. Uh, and still got to the NFC Championship game before the Cowboys did since then. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'm just taking shots. Yeah. I'm trying to shoot strays <laughs> at everybody. No, but um, and, and so I think that that is a bit of a concern is like, how do you respond? Does this then sort of revert back to, oh, this is kind of a. A downer, a dip in performance. Um, you know what's what's to come here. They did get a boost though today. Uh, did the Lions with the news that Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, is uh, effectively turning down opportunities to be a head coach in both Washington and Seattle, uh, and is going to stay uh, with Detroit as the offensive coordinator. That's uh, how surprising is that to you? Shocking. I mean, how many of those jobs come up? He's only thirty-seven, but he's also got golf. You know, it's not like he's got Herbert. It's not like he's got Mahomes. He's not like he's got Purdy. He's got Goff, you know, and Goff, I think the Niner, you know, Niner is a fan base in that second half. You could see. You know, he he just didn't really. I mean, he had a couple balls dropped. There are a couple big throws that Jared Goff should have completed, right, that were not his fault. But you kind of got that sense that he wasn't. He wasn't feeling super confident. And I feel like the Niners finally made a defensive adjustment. I mean, that the backside of the Niner defense and, the, you know, the D-line, it's a little bit of a concern. I'm not sure that Wilkes is the guy as the D.C. I think there are a lot of Niner fans that are going, this isn't the same as it looked with, you know, DeMar- you know yeah. it, it was a little different feeling, right, the aggressive nature. They're missing Halfonga in the back end. Um, they don't have that big safety. They don't have that Ronnie Light safety that's coming up and helping with the run. And so, I, I don't know. It would be an interesting matchup. Uh, we have a texter saying uh, that uh, Dan Campbell had that tin cup mentality. Yeah, you know the movie Tin Cup, Roy <laughs> oh, McAvoy, yeah. who's just oh, like, ball, yeah. ball, oh, yeah. and just keeps hitting L- into the water. Little wind, room. Little yeah, yeah, no, that's absolutely. <laughs> and some of the memes that have come out, I think, have been really uh, prime. It's like it has a picture of, like, a guy uh, playing the blackjack table with, like, two face cards. So it's like a 20. And then it's Dan Campbell in the next frame, and he's like, hit me. And like it, I think there's, like, a family guy clip that's been going around where it's like, this is Dan Campbell. And it's like Peter Griffin is just like, Oh, uh, you got 20. He's like, hit me. They're like, all right, now you got 30. He's like, hit me. 
was hilarious. The memes in sports are so oh, brutal man. this time of year. The it's internet so always creative, wins right? at this yeah. time of year. Um, yeah, exactly. The Falcons, according to another texter, are no good because they lost Kyle Shanahan. And so, yeah, that's sort of why I say the the keeping Ben Johnson as the offensive coordinator uh, helps to, I think, stem some of that, uh, some of that that potential oh, sort of sure. um, morale leakage. Right? You keep him. You 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 going to keep a, a good portion of this group uh, together. Hopefully, bolster some of the back end on that defense. Maybe add a pass rusher or a little bit more of a stout uh, defensive tackle to help in the interior portion of that line. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think that that helps a little bit because it's like, all right, it's not like we blew this game and then now you lost all these key people and all these key individuals. Like, you can still maybe have yeah. more of a chance to hold it together. We, uh, Sorry, Laurie, we do have a call that I want to get to here uh, before we take a break. Neil has been waiting patiently on the line. What's up, Neil? What's up, Kanoa Laurie? How's it going, guys? Good. Um, so here's the thing. I'm a very stout uh, Atlanta Falcons fan, and I was, you know, ever since the 2016 Super Bowl and even before that. Um, you know, and so in that sense, for me, if the Falcons had hired Bill Belichick, yeah, I, would, with you. I would have to change allegiances. Uh, <laughs> but that, uh, you know, uh, Raheem Morris is going to be quite good for us. I think he also brought like 98% of the uh, – Los Angeles Rams coaching staff with him, so you know. I uh, just hope he doesn't bring Justin Herbert over with him. But, uh, <laughs> but beyond that, though, uh, to your points about the, the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's a darn good coach. They're gonna be fine. Uh, but here's the thing: for that entire fan base, that entire franchise, that entire organization, they've never been here. Mm-hmm. Never been to that level of competition in terms of the NFC championship games of like what 1991 was it yeah and they've never been like up 17 in an NFC championship game either so this was you're right they, they their inexperience bled through and so that's the thing right and so the entire fan base doesn't even know how to respond to that <laughs> let alone the coaching staff let alone the organization the players they went 0-16, like you said, in this century. Yeah. So you, I mean, I, and I hate to use this term. I hate it because, you know, I know you love the Lions, bro, and, I, and, you know, and I can respect that. The Lions have gotten used to losing. And so to be in a position where you've got a shot to get to the pinnacle of professional sports, not just professional football, Professional sports, because there's no bigger stage anywhere than the Super Bowl. It's an intimidating thing, and I think they crumbled under that pressure. Yeah, no, I I think that's uh, a very hurtful but very uh, accurate point that you're making, Neil, and I appreciate the call. Uh, I love it. I love the fact that the the Lions are there now, and y'all are there to stay. Coming from an NFC guy, I'm hopeful that the Lions are going to be a a dynastic, uh, NFC uh, perennial powerhouse type of team going yeah. forward. So. Wait, hey, uh, appreciate the call, Neil. Good stuff, uh, honestly, and uh, wishing you and the, the Falcons uh, good luck with the Raheem Morris hire. You also have Arthur Smith, uh, who is, according to sources, being hired as the OC at the 
the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, which is you know a bit of a surprise. You can kind of get into some possible criticisms of how he has utilized some of his top talent in his time as the Atlanta <laughs> yes. head coach. Uh, but um, one question I wanted to ask you before we take this commercial break, Lori, is did you walk out of the stadium? And maybe it's not even something that matters really uh, because you guys are in the Super Bowl, so so who who really you know cares? But um, did you feel like the better team won that day in San Francisco? Oh yeah, I mean. I do. Biases aside, objectively. Uh, I mean, the the interesting thing about the night, I think they match up. I think always the the wild card has been Purdy. You know, how's this young guy going to respond in these situations, right? But I think on the offensive side, you argue that they're as talented as anybody. On the defensive side, you know, that first half, I mean, you got to wonder. But I think it's – I agree with Neil to the extent that there is a culture, right? It's a culture. The two best cultures have gotten to the Super Bowl. It is what it is. You know, the Cowboys have a culture of losing in the playoffs. They lost in the playoffs. And to go back to what Neil said, I don't really necessarily think it's about the Lions losing. It's how you lost. Mm -hmm. If it had been – you know, that's – I mean, the Lions fans feel like they lost it, not that the Niners won it, right? Those are the two different mentalities that you bring into something like that. That's the – when you're, you know, up 17, I mean, you could almost just trade possess. You know, you just can't turn the ball over, yeah. and you can't do stupid analytical, yeah. you know what, in the second half. And you win half, that game, you and know, you're in the Super Bowl, exactly. Or you, or you lose it 31-27, or you're, you at least feel you walk away mm-hmm. like, oh. But that's that yeah. is the thing I think when it's culture, and then and then that is part of the culture still, right? It's still kind of there after that game. So you know, I, I'm again, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they. They move forward out of this. All right. Still more to talk about. Uh, the line is actually moving just a tad where the Niners started as one and a half point favorites. Now it's two points. So some uh, Niners money flowing in here. Uh, try Domino's Mix and Match special. Download the Domino's app and get any three items for just $8.99 each. Choose from pizzas, pastas, boneless chicken bites, and more. Find the Mix and Match deals under the coupon section on the app. Domino's Hawaii. They deliver aloha. More texts to get to. More to talk too uh, with Lori Santi uh, about uh, not just uh, her beloved 49ers, but a uh, little Rainbow Wahine basketball back in town this week. So much to get to. We'll do it. It's Let's Talk Sports. What's up? Lori Santi's in the house with me, Kanoa Leahy. This is Let's Talk Sports coming to you from the PAXA studios in Honolulu. 808-296-1420 is the number to call. Text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, I think there are some Niner fans who are even possibly suggesting that uh, the Niners weren't uh, at least the better team that day. Uh, there was a texter who said they shouldn't have won. Another one, uh, John, saying he's a uh, longtime uh, Niners fan, said Purdy clearly overthrew the receiver. This is the Ayuk play. Momentum had the defender going backward, putting him in position to catch the ball. Instead, it hit his mask and bounced straight, allowing the Niner uh, to be in position, in this case, Brandon Ayuk, uh, to grab it. Honolulu Niners. So uh, even a Niners fan, not too proud to admit, Lori, uh, you know, that uh, let's just say uh, you guys have been living a charmed existence at various (laughs) times in your history. Yeah, it's culture. You know, you expect to win. You expect to win. You win. What's the line? Your your mom... uh, what, what's the uh, line? No, no. My line with my mother-in-law. In fact, mother-in-law, my father-in-law, yeah. Darren, was at the Kizar Lions game in 57, the Lions-Niners last play. Okay, so That's this, how this, far back they go. But This but uh, Nana, texter says that he's been a fan since Na- the Kizar there days, you go. by the way. Nana text, texted me in that game last week <laughs> that God is a 49er. And that's what I said when Brandon Ayuk caught that pass. Yeah. God is a 49er, apparently. Because, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, yeah. It's, the funny part is you see the clips of Kittle talking to Purdy at halftime saying... 
yep, they won the first. Like, okay, let's go. We're going to win this. And now he's like, I called it. I knew we were going to win the second. Kittle is a funny yeah. guy. He's a funny guy to watch. He's a kind of brings a good sort of pure, yeah. you know, purist kind of feeling to the game. So you got to like that guy. Man. Yeah, uh, that, that was kind of cool seeing some of the intermingling between him and Laporta, right? And then you even had Purdy, right? So it was like a lot of guys from the state of Iowa in their college careers and obviously Iowa producing uh, such incredible tight, ends, tight yeah. end talent. But uh, yeah, so uh, let, let, let's see. 808-296-1420 uh, is the number. Um, you have now this matchup. It's 49ers and Chiefs. It's a rerun, so to speak, from four years ago. Um, and it is the 49ers uh, surprising to me, I think, a little bit just based yeah. on what we me saw. Too. from Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey uh, the other day that uh, the Niners are the favorite here, now up to a two-point uh, favorite, uh, and we'll see if that line continues to uh, move going forward. But uh, does that surprise even you? And yeah, what do you think about this, this re-rack of this matchup? And I, I think it's sort of the media in Vegas sort of, you know, they've run with that rhetoric the whole season, you know, how good the Niners are. But, I mean, I yeah, I've watched watching the dynasty of the Niners with Montana with that run of Super Bowls. They always are going to take that team that's, you know, four out of five Super Bowls, that whole deal. So I feel like, I feel like, you know, the Chiefs should be favored, but because of the quarterback. I mean, that's that's pretty much what everybody thinks, right? You don't know how that he's going to perform in that situation. You know, I was at that Super Bowl. We were, we, the faithful, were ahead in that Super Bowl. Mahomes didn't play great in that Super Bowl until the last seven minutes mm-hmm. of the game in which he played great and we lost. And Shanahan got a little tight in that Super Bowl. Shanahan also got a little tight in the Falcons Super Bowl Correct. when he was the OC. Shanahan gets a little tricky at times. I feel like he didn't do that as much in this game. He kind of stayed with the game plan a little bit. He didn't go for flea flickers and get a little... Yeah, like the Lions he, did. He, he didn't, <laughs> yeah, he didn't seem to squeeze. So I think he'll have to do that. But, you know, the Andy Reid... Travis Kelsey, there's only 12 starters between the two teams that have played played yeah. in the Super Bowl the last time. But, of course, two of those starters for the Chiefs are, you know, Travis Kelsey and, and Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, you got to give Mahomes the edge. I kind of would rather go in the underdog is my point. I, I would rather sort of feel like, oh, you know, it's Chiefs and it's Mahomes and, you know, gosh, it'd be great if we could yeah, win one. If, but if anything, this is just going to be – this is going to add to the weight yes, of that chip yes, on Mahomes' shoulder, yes, right? And that's he's gonna be what like, I think. Yeah. And, it's, you know, it's all about the Chiefs. We know that. And then the other thing I'm worried about is just the juice that's going to come with T-Swift. You know, there's going to be a lot, a lot. Oh, you think they might show Vegas her a few times? Vegas is going to be full. They only showed her for 44 seconds. You, come on. You got to, come on. How do you dislike no, that? No, it's not that I dislike it. No, dislike it's not that it? I dislike it. It's just, it's going to be such a storyline over the next two weeks yeah. that I'm, I'm a little bit, like, weary of it. But you're right. Like, it's so weird how we hate on this. Like, these two I, I, yeah. extremely successful people who look to be, like. One more legi- than the other, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but look to be, like, <laughs> genuinely and legitimately happy. Yeah, like, they just right? seem to be, like, yeah. really possibly in love and happy. Yeah. And we're just, like. Boo! You know, that is kind of weird. And they give each other their space and their (laughs) moments, right? You know, like Travis isn't singing on stage yet. And Taylor's not getting in the shot like, you know, coaches' wives sometimes do. Like, they're giving each other that (laughs) space. It's pretty funny. But it's going to be funny to see outside of the venue in Vegas just how many Swifties show up maybe to get a glimpse of their girl during Super Bowl week. And I'm not above that, okay? I'm going to be... 
in Vegas. And if I happen to get a chance to see T-Swift, I'll be pretty stoked about it. Yeah, I mean, the NFL probably is happy with this matchup, oh, I would think? think, right? You know, yeah. you got Taylor Swift in the house. You got the San Francisco 49ers. And just uh, clearly, uh, it was in the script that Jameer Gibbs had the fumble uh, and that a ball had to bounce off of uh, Detroit Lions face mask and uh, that uh, Josh Reynolds uh, all of a sudden started uh, turning into Kadarius Tony. Like, it was in the script, obviously. Dude, Laura. I thought about you the whole second half while I was on my feet. I did. And I had to stand up the whole game. You know, I tell you what, it's not easy being a faithful. You got to stand up the whole game. You can only barely duck down at commercial break and then people are giving you a bunch of grief. Get up, Lori. Get up. And I'm like, oh my God. And there, the blue were there, though. There were a fair amount. There was a fair amount. Yeah. There. Yeah. You know, you had Jared Goff in his homecoming. But uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, Brock Purdy uh, because uh, I know you love this dude. And the last two weeks, he has been able to show a different side to his game. I, I, I do kind of think that some of the, the reporting on him, some of the analysis of like, you know, he's not an athletic quarterback. Like, he is pretty athletic. Uh, it's just not necessarily been something that we've correlated with his game because he's been so much more system oriented in his time uh, playing for Kyle Shanahan. Uh, but we saw the last couple of weeks, uh, we, we saw his ability to ad lib, uh, improvise, uh, break out from the pocket when it's collapsing, not just extend plays, but even run for key conversions, those kinds of things. Uh, and you said Joe Montana. And, and hey, look, that's, you know, you're talking about one of the, He's the absolute yeah. Rushmore uh, members of, of NFL quarterbacking history. Uh, but if you squint your eyes at some of the clutch plays that he's making, there is a certain flair and magic to it and a coolness that at least would maybe resemble just how controlled and cool under pressure Joe always seemed to be. So where are you with Brock Purdy? I think comeback victories for rookie quarterbacks are impressive in those types of games. You know what I'm saying? Where you're leading drives, you know, maybe it's not perfect, but you're leading a game-winning drive in a playoff situation. He's won four playoff games. I will say this. I also think, you know, that he's a guy with a lot of starts in college under his belt. A I mean, lot. that is, you know, that's a, a ton of starts. And I think that's, you know, you look at the guys that are up there, you know, and the, the Herberts and you look at the amount of college starts that they had, there were a lot of college starts under his belt. So I feel like he's got the experience, but this is what I think. I think the heat is off of Purdy because no matter what he does, he ain't Mahomes. Yeah. They're not that quarterback comparison you know what I mean? There's no comparison at this point, right? You can't. So you're, as a Niner fan, you're hoping that Purdy gets the ball in the hands of the people that need it, and they hope he doesn't turn the ball over. And when he squeaks out of, of situations where he's not throwing, when the pocket's collapsing, that's a good thing. But I don't, you know, I feel like the game manager part is really true in this game. But it's interesting. When you watch Mahomes in the last game, he managed that game. Like Brock, like Tom Brady did late in his career. Like Mahomes wasn't pressing the issue of scoring more in the Ravens game. Right, he came out throwing, but he wasn't that sharp. He didn't have a lot of guys to throw to, and he managed that game down the stretch. He knew they weren't going to score very many points, and I felt like he's matured in that way. He's different than than Josh, right? He doesn't start flinging the ball late in games. He kind of manages the game, so I'm hoping that Purdy manages it enough to get it to his guys. You know. All right, more I want to get to uh, with Laurie on the other side of this break. Plus, uh, wanted to talk a little Rainbow Wahine basketball. We're given a pair of tickets for Thursday night's game against Cal State Fuller. Uh, you got Jeff Harada and, and that squad coming into the house. Uh, we're going to give away a pair of tickets for that. Wanted to remind everybody that uh, if you haven't picked up a Kahala Aloha shirt or performance polo yet, uh, you can do so. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores, or you can do it online at kahala.com. All right, more with Lori Santi, and let's talk sports after this.
Sponsor, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Konowalehi here along with Lori Santi in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. 808-296-1420, the number to call. You can text in as well uh, at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. All right, I uh, wanted to get to a couple other things because uh, something that you've mentioned a few times here recently, Lori, is uh, how befuddled you are that Bill Belichick still has I'm not befuddled. been hired. And it's starting to look like he's not going to get a head coaching or coaching position. And in fact, there are now reports, oh, plenty, that he is uh, considering going into a TV analyst gig. Um, some of the reasoning behind it, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a guessing and speculative game at this point, but uh, you have NFL insider Peter King, who basically uh, is coming up with the theory that Belichick might be a little too old school in his ways, and that is now starting to work against him. Uh, one of the theories that Peter King puts out there, he says, for the market being cool on him is, quote, most teams over the past decade have built staffs of football analytics people with pipelines to the coaching staff and urging from management for coaches to use the work of these brainiacs. This is what he wrote in his uh, Football Morning in America column. Belichick's been lukewarm at best to analytics, so an owner who hires Belichick might have to fire a part of the building in which they believe strongly. Um, there are other reports that Belichick thought he had the Falcons gig in the bag and that he is none too happy uh, about the fact that he was ultimately overlooked. He interviewed twice uh, for that gig. Um this is surprising that you have the guy who I think, for the most part, is considered the consensus greatest football coach in NFL history. Uh, some of that uh, thinking and, and some of that ideology may have changed a little bit with the struggles that they've had since Brady was gone. Right. Uh, but how surprising still is it that Bill Belichick is sitting there uh, and seemingly wanting to coach and nobody's... Picking his number. Yeah, no, I'm shocked by it. And I, you sort of wonder how much of the GM, the player control he wants. Maybe that's still a conflict because that's certainly what he got criticized for with yeah. the Patriots. But you look at guys that are still, I mean, you look at Mike Tomlin who lived off one Super Bowl for a really long time. I was surprised that they parted ways. I actually thought that Kraft would, they'd go another year. Maybe they bring Garoppolo over. They change a couple of things. I was kind of surprised he left the Patriots. That surprised me. And I am shocked. I mean, yeah, granted, he's definitely kind of old school. But the analytics thing, too. I mean, we just spent an hour talking about Dan Campbell's analytics. <laughs> and Staley got fired with the Chargers for those analytics. So, I mean, I think there's – I just think that respect that you put on with someone – He's like a consensus GOAT coach. I mean, people don't really argue that much, right? So I am kind of shocked. I also wonder if he may be sitting that year to find a better situation with a better quarterbacking situation for a job that he might want to take because he doesn't want some sort of build, you know, he doesn't want to have to build something. So I, that yeah. would be the only other thing I could think of. Well, because I was kind of thinking, uh, just because it's Bill Belichick, for crying out loud, that uh, it doesn't necessarily or didn't necessarily need to be a scenario where he went to a team that was looking for a head coach right. or had a vacancy. I was kind of thinking that. I, I was, yeah. I had him. I was thinking that if, if it's Bill Belichick who's available, uh, you're probably looking at your head coach if you're one of those types of teams, like the Cowboys or even the Buffalo Bills, and you're thinking like, all right, is this guy that I have already better than that guy? And can I honestly claim that? And are we going to be better if I bring him in? I was, uh, was sort of envisioning that kind of scenario playing out, but but it hasn't and doesn't uh, necessarily look like it will. There was someone who suggested, I don't know if it was Jamel Hill or, or who, but uh, this was kind of an interesting thought because it looks like Nick Saban is 
he's living his best life right now in <laughs> yeah, retirement. He's like he golfing, is. golfing with like all of these, uh, you know, like 50 Cent and Travis Scott. And he's just like looking like he's having a blast. Uh, and someone was saying, you know what would be kind of cool, uh, especially with Belichick going into this TV analysis thing and Nick Saban seemingly a little bit more comfortable now being out in the public and, you know, doing these regular interviews on the, the McAfee show or whatever it is, uh, is having those two coaches, right? Uh, coaching legends, uh, you know, I, I would say more than arguably the two best, uh, greatest coaches potentially in pro and college right. uh, football history, respectively. Uh, what if they combined forces and did kind of a Manning cast type of thing as an alternate broadcast uh, for NFL games or college games? Like, that's kind of an interesting idea. Oh, totally. And Belichick would show up in his hoodie and Saban would show up in his straw hat. I don't know. I mean, there might be a lot of fill time left in there, but he maybe got a couple beverages. Might help sort of bring the best out in him. Yeah, that would be pretty funny to watch, and actually. They have, that's like, a special really, guests, that's a right? Great, I'm thinking maybe, like, Taylor Swift and, you know, Drake or something, you know? <laughs> I think we're pop, getting that. That little pop culture, yeah. like, this is our take. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you think it'd be Usher, by the way? You're the halftime show performer, yeah. and yeah. it's like, you're going to be second fiddle. Sorry, yeah. oh, no. like, yeah. to someone who's just watching the game, yeah. they're the headliner, yeah. and uh, yeah. Usher, I guess, you know, you'll you'll get your time on stage, though. <laughs> but it's like in small text, right? It's like, hey, Taylor Swift is going to be there watching the game. And Usher's also In his playing. contract, it is, you are not showing Taylor Swift during my performance. <laughs> we know she'll be dancing, but you're not showing her during my performance. Oh, man, that's good. Uh, Rainbow Wahine basketball back in town. So uh, we'll have that call on Spectrum Sports. Cal State Fullerton on Thursday. You see Irvine in what is always a big matchup uh, in town here on Saturday. Hawaii suffering a tough loss on the road against UC Santa Barbara uh, last Thursday and then bounced back with a win, narrow as it was, at Cal Poly. Always a tough place to play at Cal Poly. There's nothing guaranteed there. But uh, this is now a team that is experiencing some injury issues again. It seemed like they were turning the the corner on that, uh, but they got some issues with Brooklyn Rewers and her foot. Uh, there are a couple of other uh, players who have been banged up. Imani Perez uh, had a, an explosive ball game against Cal Poly, but um, what do you think about the state of this team here going into what's a pretty important homestand? You know, I feel like their experience is pushing them through some of these I think the split on the road, Beeman felt okay about. Um, Santa Barbara jumped out big. They were like 22-9 in that first quarter of Whitfield. You know, the two, Webster and Whitfield, Webster from Long Beach State and Whit Alexis Whitfield from UCSB, the two arguably best players in the in the conference right now are the two teams that have really, two, two that have really given them a hard time. So, you know, that was a tough, they chased down too. I felt like Santa Barbara still was squeezing a little. Remember in that championship final last yeah. year where they were up and the Wahine chased him down. So they gave him a run. But I feel like when you look at Davies coming off a 14-point game, season high for her against Santa Barbara, you know, we talk about Kelsey Mai and, you know, Ashley Tom's all, all the time. Lily's finding her stride a little bit offensively. So they're being held together by that backcourt. And I feel like they're getting more steals. They're getting a little bit easier stuff. They're getting to the rim. But they need they need a banger, I think, to go along with Perez to, to you know, be ready for tournament time. And we'll see how that progresses, as you mentioned, Ruers. Um, Barrett as well, and Jackie David coming off the ACL. Yeah. Jackie got minutes when we were at home doing those broadcasts. She got more minutes than she did on the road. So still managing Jackie David's minutes, um, being careful, I think, also with Brooklyn Rewers. You know, Beeman knows how to 
work the timetable of trying to peak at the end of the season, and I think she's really trying to manage that right now. Yeah, um, and Imani Perez, um, it seems like she's ready to launch at at all times, right? 21 points, 8 of 11 uh, in that win at Cal Poly. Um, How much do you feel like you can put, if you're Laura Beeman, added responsibility now for Imani Perez to be, uh, you know, alongside maybe a Lily Wahine Kapu uh, or someone of that ilk, um, to be like your go-to type of player. Yeah, I'd like to see her be a little more of a trigger on offense, but I think right now she's being asked to do a lot on the boards, right? Because she's the big for them. The whole game, getting a lot of minutes, Imani Perez probably around 30 minutes a game. And so I feel like Beeman's having to ask her to do more defensively and on the boards, which may kind of limit what she does on the other end. And that kind of can't happen, but it is sort of a byproduct of those other things. I think, in other words, Perez will be better when she gets Jackie David in, when she gets a little bit of, of rest time a little more consistent time off the court. But, yeah, I'd like to see her get more touches. We talked about she you know, only shoots between maybe eight, ten, you know, yeah. time, maybe seven, eight shots a game. I'm like, you know, I'm screaming, put it up off the air, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you have uh, Cal State Fullerton coming in. They're three and six in conference. Uh, they've been dealing with some players who have been in and out of the lineup this year. Uh, and then UC Irvine uh, right now tied with UC Santa Barbara uh, and Hawaii. So one of the three-way tie uh, teams uh, that's effectively possibly a battle for, for first place, depending on what uh, UC Santa Barbara does this week. Uh, how big is this home stand and how challenging are these games going to be, you think? Yeah, I think it's it's. Obviously, it's always big at home, and I, I think sort of dealing with the injuries. It's nice to be in your own bed. Irvine is going to be a game that is going to be chippy. It's been chippy. They lost twice to UC Irvine last season. Tam Renaway does a good job, but that is a team that gets after it from start to finish. They're going to bang you on the boards. They out-rebound Hawaii at this point. Total rebounds a game and offensive boards are good. Um, Deja Lee, really good player for them. So they got their work cut out for them, and I think they get up for that game like it is a chip. That's become a real rivalry. Um, and it's going to be a really physical game. Uh, and then Harada hasn't had much luck, Jeff Harada, and Cal State Fullerton here. So you worry about that a little bit, right? You almost feel like, like Cal State Fullerton's due to sort of break through. Um, they've been a little better than they were at the beginning of the season. Um, he's a very good coach, mm-hmm. so they'll be ready to go. He, of course, coached Lily Wahinikapu as a freshman at, at Fullerton, so he knows Hawaii as well as anybody in the conference. It's just a matter of getting his play, his kids to put it together. Get your picks in for the uh, Super Bowl edition of ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks. Of course, we've been uh, giving away $100 weekly prizes, a $1,000 cash grand prize on the line as well. It's brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. Visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. All right. Well, uh, Lions fans lamenting the fact that Dan Campbell just wouldn't go for three uh, when given the opportunity. So that's going to be our magic number. Caller number three. You like how I did that? You get the pair of tickets for Rainbow Wahine basketball against Cal State Fullerton right now. If you call in 808-296-1420, caller number three gets the tickets uh, for Thursday's matchup with Cal State Fullerton. Liz Stacy working the phone. So uh, go on. Go ahead. Dial it up. Caller number three gets it in the break. We'll uh, announce the winner when we come back. Plus, we'll get into our best and worst. All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Uh, Shay in Honolulu, is that the the name there, Liz? Yeah, Shay in Honolulu. Congrats, uh, you were calling number three. You won the pair of Rainbow Wahine basketball tickets uh, to play Cal State Fullerton on Thursday, the first of a two-game homestand here this week uh, with fellow first-place team at the moment, UC Irvine, uh, coming into the house 
on Saturday. Uh, might be able to give away some tickets for that game later on in the week. Stay tuned. Uh, time now uh, with Lori Santi here in the house uh, for our best and worst. Uh, first, though, want to remind everybody that if you wanted to watch the NFL's a big game coming up in a couple Sundays, uh, you can do so with friends at 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar. It's the home of the big video wall. They got new menu items, crispy lechon pork, uh, chili with bacon-wrapped hot dog, pizza made to order, chop steak, garlic shrimp, uh, all kinds of great stuff. 50 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl in the Pearl City Shopping Center. All right, Lori, uh, let's do our best and worst. Gee, I wonder see. what your best King, is going to be. Bang, bang, Niner game. Yeah, that was <laughs> oh. and my best. It was for a little bit for Purdy, man. It was really great to see, like, he's kind of a good guy who's taken a lot of grief, man, for an underdog, for being Mr. Irrelevant. So it's super happy for the Niners. That was easily my best because I was at the game. Yeah, okay. Um, well, my best is not going to be anything 49er-related, <laughs> as you could possibly uh, imagine, but uh, actually the announcement that it's it's now official come NBA All-Star Weekend uh, in Indianapolis uh, on February 17th, um, or at least you know for, for this particular event. Uh, I think the All-Star game itself will be on the 18th. Uh, but you're going to have the matchup of the NBA's all-time three-point uh, leader in Steph Curry and the WNBA single-season three-point record holder Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, they are going to battle in a three-point contest. Steph Curry holds the NBA record of 31 points uh, in a three-point shootout. Ionescu, though, won the 2023 WNBA All-Star three-point shootout, scoring 37 points, was 25 of 27. Uh, that is the most in WNBA or NBA history. That's going to be a lot of fun, and it's kind of cool. There have been some clips uh, going around of Steph Curry talking about it, and he seems, like, genuinely excited, uh, and I think that's going to be a heck of a showdown. You know what's funny? is UNESCO she I watched that 25 and 27 it was unbelievable the, the, the NBA players were I think that's why this happened right because no one could believe that it was unreal to watch UNESCO shoot that also kind of a sidebar to that is all the, all the shoes a lot of the NBA guys wearing some of the WNBA gals shoes UNESCO one of them of course an Oregon graduate has a little in with Nike but yeah it's been a, a good support on both sides in the WNBA sort of lucky to have that for with the NBA guys all right uh, let's switch it over to the bad stuff uh, I could do the same worst every day yeah. uh, but I'm not gonna I'm changing it up today but I'll let you go first what's your oh, worst I'm gonna do it for you because I had a Karen sitting behind me okay at the oh game, no in a blue a Detroit Karen a Detroit Karen with a lot of suds okay with a lot of <laughs> <laughs> a lot of beverages barking in my ear. It was really? going to end really badly, like one way or the really? other. And I just, and I, you know what? Like, behave out there. There were no fights. The last couple games I've been to, the tickets were too expensive to get in a fight this weekend, as I'm sure they will be in the Super yeah. Bowl. But, man, I, it is unreal. Like, just sort of, in general, though, I'd say the Lions fans were pretty good, but not the Karen, not auntie, not auntie sitting behind me. you. All right, okay. so what, you got to give us a little bit of a clue. And was there some dialogue there between the bit, two you know, of you? A little bit of dialogue. All right, well, let's, let's hear it. Like a little, there was bit, a little yeah. bit of dialogue. Was there a what? Was a little bit, oh what, at any point, did you bust out a what you oh, bleep yeah, up? No, no, I, no, yeah. Oh, no, I was all about it in the second half, man. And that run and that field goal start. When we go up to him, like, hey, oh, man. sometimes stuff happens. That was her line all day. Sometimes things happen. 
Do you think that like she's possibly um She like, was gone. She left early. Oh, she what did? is that? Oh, she stumbled away yeah. before I really had a chance. Yeah. Well, it was yeah. painful. But no, <laughs> do you think she's by any chance like um sitting somewhere uh guest co-hosting a radio show going like, "Yes, yeah, so no. anyway, at the game no. I had this Karen she's sitting not. in the row in front of me." She is not. There's no way. I'll tell you, but you know, it is kind of like you get a little amped up in those games, you know, oh, people yeah. are a little edgy. Uh, I, you don't say. Uh, there, there are uh, more than just a few stories of San Francisco fans and games at San Francisco. Of course, things have changed a little bit since the but Levi Stadium like the is Raiders. now located where it's at. Uh, but yeah, no, you're right. Uh, but there have been some stories of, of Niner fans, you know, the, the Bang Bang Niner gang. Uh, sometimes the Bang Banging goes on Amazing. in the stands. I didn't see any of that going on. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Levi Stadium's been much more uh, tame, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, it has. All right, uh, my worst. This is a bad story, man, but uh, you had um, the stolen Jackie Robinson statue at this youth baseball park in Kansas was found burned in a trash can. So Wichita Fire Department, uh, they received a call about a trash can on fire at Garvey Park in the southern part of the city, discovered uh, what appeared to be pieces of the statue, uh, and then described it as being not salvageable. So basically what happened, is, uh, you know, this this statue that was uh, erected in 2021 at McAdams Park, where roughly 600 children play in a youth baseball league. Uh, it was sawed off at the ankles and the statue was stolen. And, uh, you know, obviously there are going to be theories as to whether or not it was racially motivated, but it's just all in all a, a horrible thing because it was a symbol of such a, a, a wonderful, not just figure in his own right, but also a symbol of inspiration for kids, man, for kids yeah. playing the game of baseball. And that's, that's just an awful, awful bummer. Uh, that's not even controversial. I mean, the world yeah. agrees on what a yeah, what a great person. Uh, yeah, you know, you, you, it makes you wonder. That those yours is a lot worse than mine, by the way. <laughs> it was, you know, a lot worse. It, was a, it sounds like it was a group of Karens yeah, was, that did this yeah, uh, there a, to yeah. the uh, Jackie Robinson statue. Uh, all right, last uh, text before we shut it down. Uh, talking about Bill Belichick, the control issue and his age, I think, are factors on why he hasn't been hired. The trend seems to be hire the young and upcoming coaches uh, to be in your franchise for the long term. There could be a little bit of an age factor there uh, that might not be too far off target. All right, Lori, appreciate it. Congrats on your win. I'll wear the chain on Thursday. <laughs> See you tomorrow, everybody. <laughs>